My goodness. Good morning. Thank you so much. And what a blessing to be here. Please have a seat. Thank you. And uh, what a good looking bunch of folks. God bless Baptist. Um, you know, I, and I don't, I know the Lord loves, loves us all, but I think the Baptist denomination, we're just the better looking denomination. I don't know, that, that's probably in the Old Testament somewhere. Um, it is a joy to be with you, and um, thank you for the great work and the ministry that you are doing uh, here in this place. And the impact that you are having, not just here in California, but really all over America. And, and I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but people all over this country are talking about the incredible things that are happening here. And uh, I was so excited last night to sit in on that wonderful message and, and to hear great words of wisdom coming from this pulpit as you guys prepare for ministry around this country. We need more preachers coming out of West Coast Baptist College. And so thank you for the great work that you're doing. Now, a lot has changed in the culture, and we're going to be doing some things a little differently this morning. Uh, we're going to give you the opportunity to ask questions. Uh, maybe there is something happening in the culture at large, something in the news, uh, and you'll have the opportunity to ask me those questions, and I'll do my best to answer them a little bit later. But before we do that, um, I, there's been a big, big battle in America over pronouns now. I had no such, I had no idea that was a big problem uh, in this country, but now you have to apparently acknowledge your pronouns. So before we get started, my name is Todd. My personal pronouns are dude, bra, and biggin. And I also confess that I'm a person of the Caucasian persuasion. I'm a white guy. The mayor of New York City called people like me crackers, but that word is unkind. I prefer to be called a saltine American, so <laughs> there you go. Um, I always forget to do this, but I would encourage you to uh, follow us. We, uh, we're pretty active on social media. We have a great team of folks, and we try to get information and news out that maybe the mainstream media does not cover. And uh, so we're on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Getter now. And of course, ToddStarns.com is sort of the landing page for all of the things we do. And um, many of you are in class during my national radio show, uh, so you can actually download the podcast for free. And it's a lot of fun. We, there's a lot of chaos in the culture right now, and we talk about those issues, but we try to have a little bit of fun as we do it. And we also are able to, uh, to interview a lot of the, the newsmakers around the country and ask them the questions that, that are on the minds of a lot of Christians around this, uh, around this country as well. And so you can access all of that at our website, Todd Com. Um, another thing that we're, we're doing, you know, after 15 years at Fox News Channel, they decided they did not want me at Fox News Channel anymore. And so I moved back home to Memphis, uh, Tennessee, uh, and I bought a news talk radio station there. And if you live in the Mid-South, uh, we would encourage you to listen to KWAM, K-W-A-M. And uh, all of our national operations are based out of Memphis. And we offer internships. And we're always looking for people that want jobs in digital media or broadcast journalism or maybe advertising or sales. And we're always looking to hire good Christian students. So if you're uh, interested in an internship, maybe this is where the Lord is leading you, then I would encourage you to come and see me after this morning's chapel. 
I, I want to say a word about, about Dr. Paul Chappell, who has just become a dear friend over the years, and uh, he is my pastor, and uh, his books uh, are just phenomenal, um, and the teachings coming out of this pulpit. There are not many preachers like Dr. Chappell in America, and he is, he is not afraid to speak truth into the culture, and that is missing from many pulpits around the nation. As a matter of fact, I believe one of the big problems facing our country is not that politics in Washington is screwed up, it's that the church is screwed up. You know, we're called to be salt and light, but unfortunately many of our churches these days are on a sodium-free diet. They've turned off the lights. They don't want to offend the culture. They don't want to speak truth into the culture but not this place. And I know that you guys are being trained up to speak truth and to do so in a loving way, but to speak truth to the culture. And that is a big problem in our country. Not enough Christians are, are doing that. So we try to do that on our radio show on a, on a regular basis. And we, we, we try to ask the tough questions to, um, to the people um, and that, are, that are making the decisions. I wanted to show you, if it's okay, a few photographs. A lot of people ask about our show. Uh, we have a pretty young staff, uh, and we've got some photos. This is uh, our intern from Liberty University, uh, Avery, uh, if you listen to the show. Avery is also a Spider-Man impersonator. And I got a call one day from Liberty University where he attends school, he's a film major. And uh, they said, um, does one of your staff members dress up like Spider-Man? And I said, yeah, that's Avery. And they're like, oh, okay, just checking, just checking. Uh, this right here, um, I believe is the next uh, slide is uh, Grace Baker. Oh, that, that's when the staff gets a hold of my iPhone when I'm taking a nap. <laughs> or I was deep in prayer. No, I was taking a nap. Uh, there we go. I've got to, I've, you know, that's why I don't have a password on my phone. I really got to fix that. Uh, the next slide here, uh, this is uh, our staff. Grace Baker is my executive producer, and uh, she just got married, and she just got her first Dalmatian puppy, which is sort of the mascot of the show now. Um, and so we love Grace. She's also a basketball player uh, and uh, was at the University of Memphis. And Caleb Park is our managing editor, who is a former colleague at Fox News. And let's go to the next, uh, the next slide here. Yeah, that's the, uh, the rest of our staff. We were just at the National Wilderness Broadcasters uh, Gathering um, last week. And uh, let's go to that next slide. Uh, this is our President Trump bobblehead which is Hawaiian-themed. Oh, yeah, I like bobbleheads. Oh, no, you like President Trump. Okay, that's what the applause... All right, there you go. And that's our studio back in Memphis. And uh, let's go to that next slide. Um, we get very interesting gifts from our, our listeners. We're all about biscuits and gravy on our program. And uh, let's go to the next... Uh, yeah, see, that... <laughs> So I did a book signing and somebody actually showed up with a five pound slab of butter and biscuits. And I didn't know if they were fans who loved me or wanted me to keel over from, you know, <laughs> cardiac arrest. Those were good biscuits, by the way. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, um, we'll get to this story in just a moment. This is a friend of mine, Joe Kennedy, and uh, he's a football coach who got fired for taking a knee. Not for protesting America, but for praying after a football game. And I'll tell you his story in just a little while. Let's go to that next. Now, you may know this guy right here. Um, 
President Trump. So let me tell you some things about the president, and uh, it's interesting. I'm writing a new book, and I asked if I could spend a few moments with the president down at Mar-a-Lago. And uh, they said, sure, you can spend 15 minutes with the president. That's, we'll give you 15 minutes. And I thought, okay, you know what? It's better than nothing. So I flew down, and I was ready for a 15-minute interview. But the president ended up speaking to me for about 90 minutes, and it was sort of a free-form interview. Before that, I was sitting in the lobby of Mar-a-Lago, and the Secret Service guy comes up to me, and he says, Mr. Starnes, I'm a huge fan of yours, and I read your newsletter that comes out, and uh, I read all of your stuff. And he goes, I'm a fellow believer. I'm involved in the men's ministry in my church. And we were just having a great conversation right there in this beautiful, beautiful uh, room. And uh, he was going on and on and on. He goes, man, we're just so excited to have you here at Mar-a-Lago. And uh, it's nice to have a fellow believer here. Now we just need you to please stand up and put your hands against the wall. Do you have any weapons? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that escalated quickly. Uh, so <laughs> so um, they, uh, they brought me upstairs and someone asked, what is it like meeting President Trump? And it's very interesting because it's not just like we're having a conversation one-on-one. -on -one. He's doing about a bazillion other things. And I said it was like if you put water skis behind a race car at Talladega and just hit the gas, you're just holding on for dear life. And that's what it was like interviewing the president. A couple of things that, that you need to know. Um, he is a defender of religious liberty. He was also the most pro-life president we have ever had in the history of this nation. And it's rather remarkable, but at the end of the day, President Trump was the man who brought our, our leaders to the table, and he listened to them, and he promised to defend some big issues with us, and he delivered on those promises. Chris Ruddy, who owns Newsmax, is a friend of mine, Newsmax TV, and he told me that here lately, the president has become a DJ. And he, every Thursday at Mar-a-Lago, he spins tunes. And of course, he plays YMCA. That's a big, he loves that song. For, he also loves Broadway show tunes, the president. But he always ends with a very interesting song. He plays, for everybody at Mar-a-Lago, George Beverly Shea's version of How Great Thou Art, right there at Mar-a-Lago. So he is a man who is certainly curious about the Christian faith. He watches uh, Christian teaching programs on television. And, you know, we did not get into a deep, you know, philosophical discussion about his faith. But he is a man who understands who we are. And, and I appreciate that about him. You know, before I get into my remarks, I was having dinner with Dr. Rasmus, and I don't know if you know this, but the guy is a foodie. Did you know that? Wow. He takes, I don't know, this place we went to last night, but they had like, they bring out steaks and chicken and salmon and all this. It was just amazing. But we were just talking about some things about life in general, and I wanted to share some, some advice uh, for college students. Uh, and um, these are just things that, that I have learned over the years and things that are going to help you get to where you're going in life. Number one, and I know this may sound silly, but this is probably one of the most important things. Show up on time. Show up on time. Number two, you're going to have the opportunity to get an internship. You get that internship and you take that internship. There was a young man who met me at a journalism conference many years ago, and uh, he asked about interning at Fox News Channel. He's, he was a student at California Baptist University. And most of our interns come from places like Harvard and Yale 
and the Ivy League schools. But I told him, you apply. And so he filled out his application. He wanted to be a journalist. But he also happened to be very good at computer science. And he was an IT guy. He sort of did that on the side. Well, Fox News was looking over the internship applications, and they were having a big problem at Fox. They had a certain form of programming that very few people knew how to operate. But it just so happened that this young man from California Baptist University knew how to do that specific coding, and he had mentioned that on his resume. And so they called him up and they said, hey, look, we know you want to come here to, to be an intern in the journalism side, but would you be willing to come and be in the IT side? And he said yes. He got his foot in the door. He was two months into his summer internship, and Fox called him in, and they said, we don't want you to go back to school. We want to hire you full-time here at Fox News Channel. And he said, well, i got to go back and finish. My mom would kill me. Uh, so they said, okay, here's the deal. You go back and graduate. When you come back, there's a full-time job waiting for you in New York City. What did this kid do? He got an internship. He was willing to do whatever needed to be done. So again, get an internship and be flexible. Be flexible in life. You never know what life is gonna throw at you. Number three, don't eat biscuits from a can. Now, you may say, what, what are you talking about? Well, that's, that's just, a, that's a heresy where I come from in Memphis, Tennessee. You know, you wanna be, be able to cook some good biscuits in your life. So what you do is um, you go get yourself a good biscuit recipe and you learn how to make biscuits. That's gonna get you a long way, trust me on that one. Number four, take ownership of your mistakes. One of the interesting things about being in journalism and on the national stage is when you make a mistake, everybody in the nation knows about it. So you've gotta be able to own those mistakes. Don't pass the buck. You know what's gonna happen with that in your office when you do that? You're gonna earn credibility and respect and trust among your colleagues if you take responsibility and don't pass the buck. Next thing is read a book. I'm just stunned at the number of people who just, they don't read books anymore. But take some time and go out and get one of those, you know, get an actual a book and, and open the pages and read. Number six on my list, take up a hobby. I was talking to um, our weather guy back in Memphis, Tennessee. He and his wife are graduates of Bob Jones University, and uh, he and his wife just took up pottery. Um, as I mentioned, Avery, our intern, is a cosplayer. He goes to the comic book conventions. Our chief engineer is a Star Trek fan. Anybody here like Star Trek? Or I told him, I said, well, um, I said, may the force be with you, and he wouldn't talk to me for a week. I guess that's Star Wars. Uh, they're competitors. My hobby, by the people ask, what's your hobby? I'm actually training to be a professional barbecue judge. So I've always wanted to judge the barbecue company. I'm built for that, right? So <laughs> it took a lot of pork to build this body. Um, number seven, eat more red meat. Um, so my staff, they're all Generation Zers, and you guys are like the healthiest generation of America. Um, and they're always trying to get me to drink, I don't know, these liquefied lawn clippings, like wheatgrass and, I mean, sludge. It's just, <sighs> trust me on this one. Nobody ever said at the end of the day, man, that was the best salad I've ever eaten. Nobody says that, so eat meat, America. N number eight, number eight, volunteer. Get involved in your communities. You know, one of the things we're doing at Memphis at KWAM is uh, we're helping start a, a ball field for special needs children. 
who want to play baseball. And it's a specially designed field, so those little boys and girls can, can feel the excitement of being able to, to go up to bat and run to first base. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's just a part of what we do. So get involved in your community. Build those relationships. Number nine, get a concealed carry permit. Oh, sorry, that was my advice for people moving to Memphis. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's, we're a violent town. But uh, no, but seriously, engage your constitutional rights. You know, you've got a Second Amendment right. Uh, I look at those poor folks over at Ukraine. One of the saddest things I ever saw as the Russians were invading their country, what happened? You had people lining up waiting to be handed a gun and ammo by the government because they don't have the right to bear arms. So the only reason that people will never, our nation will never be invaded like that is because everybody's packing heat. So, and nobody wants to mess with that. As a matter of fact, I got a call one day from a lady. She was very upset. Uh, she was from North Carolina. She was about 80 years old. And she said, Todd, I'm just, I'm just horrified that people are sending you death threats. And I said, well, it goes with the territory. And she said, well, I want to do something. I said, I want to come to Memphis. I want to be your personal bodyguard. I own an AR-15, and I'm a better shot than my husband. And I have no doubt that she is. Um, but uh, it's, it's, that kind of, it's that kind of enthusiasm and patriotism that we have uh, in this country. Number 10, and, and I could probably go on and on and on, but these are just some thoughts. Number 10 is cherish your friendships that you're building here. These people that you're seated next to are going to become lifelong friends and partners in ministry. Take advantage of that. You're sitting around and you've got a bunch of folks and say, hey, what are we going to do? Take a road trip. Get in there, just pile into the car and go somewhere. Just build those friendships and stories and you know, don't do anything that requires bail money, but just, you know, have fun, have fun, have fun. I'm working on a new book, and the thesis of this book is what I'd like to speak with you about today. It's called An American Homecoming, Returning to Our Roots as a Nation. There's no doubt about it, our country is a mess. The country is hurting. Some have even equated it to a dumpster fire. And we have a lot of long-term problems that we have needed to deal with, but our country has just kicked the can down the road. And I believe we're at the end of the road now. You know, John Adams, who was our second president, said this, that our, that our Constitution, our founding documents, are wholly inadequate for anyone other than a moral and religious people. So what does that mean? Well, it means when you take God out of the equation, when you remove God, when you remove Christianity from the equation, we get chaos. You look at what's happening in our nation right now, this is not a political problem. And this is why the problem has not been resolved, because it's not about politics. This is, this is a spiritual problem that is facing our nation right now. We have tried to remove God from the public marketplace. And look at what's happened. The, the entire country is becoming unraveled. You see, if we want to restore America, we have to get back not to the state house, but to the church house. This is where we can resolve these issues. I want to share some, some, study, some, some statistics with you. A Pew study found that 40% of millennials believe that there should be limitations on free speech. A Gallup poll found that 55% of 18 to 29 year olds view socialism as a positive thing. 
And why is that? Why is that? It's not because mom and dad are having the discussions over the dinner table. No, these are the discussions that are happening in public school classrooms. You see, the communist, the socialist, they're just next door neighbors in, this, in the same neighborhood. They're very similar. And they have one goal, and that is to destroy the United States of America. And they're using our nation's public education system as the engine driving the change that is happening in our nation right now. And the only good thing to come out of the China virus pandemic is the fact that many moms and dads who were stuck at home got to see firsthand what their kids were learning in that classroom, and they were horrified. And you look what happened in Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia. It was moms and dads who rose up. They didn't have to burn anything down. They didn't have to beat anybody up. They got out there and engaged in their constitutional rights, and they changed the day in Virginia. And that's the lesson for all of us. If you take a stand, you can make a difference. And we have an obligation to do that. Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite pastors, said it like this, we are to be civil lambs, but not silent lambs. We've got to roar like the lions. Another big issue that's facing our nation, and Pastor Chapel asked me to speak briefly about this, is the idea of critical race theory, dividing us into two camps, the, the oppressors and the oppressed. Now, I want you to hear me this morning. I believe that critical race theory is a lie from the pit of hell. Because at its root, critical race theory is telling us that God made a mistake when he created us. And the God I serve doesn't make mistakes. But beyond that concept, that idea, you think about this. There are mega church preachers today in America, probably people that you have watched on television. You have read their books. I know I have. And they're telling the white members of their congregation they must repent for the sin of racism. That concept goes against the Holy Bible. There are dozens of stories on my website of little boys and girls that are being told in their classrooms that they have privilege. Just the other day, children were lined up based on the color of their hair, and they were ridiculed in their classrooms. This is not who we are as American citizens. This is not who we are as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. But they're meant to divide us, and that's what critical race theory is all about. You say, well, Todd, what about the Black Lives Matter movement? That is an offshoot of critical race theory. And I just want to read to you from their mission statement what Black Lives Matter is really all about. Quote, Black Lives Matter's mission is to eradicate white supremacy. You know what? Hey, sign me up for that. That's a great noble cause right there. But that's not all thereafter. You see, they also are rooted in Marxism, and they want to dismantle Western society. And they literally want to tear apart the nuclear family. This is a direct quote that has since been removed from their website. Quote, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another. That is a Marxist and communist principle right there. 
So we have to understand what's going on in our country, and we have to be willing to take a stand and call this out, and it is very difficult. Do you know right now that the feminist movement ought to be outraged, but they have been silent as the transgender movement has basically declared war on biological women? And why is that? Because they're terrified of the mob. They're terrified of the cancel culture mob. I'm not terrified. They've called me every name out of the book. Had to look up a definition or two to find out what some of those words meant. But you know what? It doesn't matter anymore. You know, they've called me everything they can call me. But we're still here and we're still speaking out on these big issues. But people are terrified. Right now, there's a, a man who identifies as a girl. He's breaking every swimming record in the nation. You might be following this story, Leah Thomas. Mr. Thomas was ranked 460th as a male swimmer. Now he is the number one female swimmer. It's ludicrous. And the girls on the team have been writing letters anonymously because they're terrified of the mob. But it's time to stand up to these folks. Again, they say follow the science, but now the science has been turned upside down. Not only that, we have sex and gender revolutionaries that are running rampant in our public schools. They're confusing children about their pronouns and of all places, kindergarten, ladies and gentlemen. In Florida right now, Governor Ron DeSantis considering a bill, they're calling it the Don't Say Gay Bill, has nothing to do with that. As a matter of fact, the word gay is not even in the legislation. What is in the legislation? The word parents. Moms and dads, giving them the right to oversee what's happening in their child's public school classroom. But all this bill does, it stops teachers from teaching children kindergarten to third grade about sex and gender. Now that seems like a pretty common sense thing for me. Even Bill Maher, the TV host, says that sounds pretty, that sounds pretty reasonable. But now you have places like Walt Disney World that are coming out and standing up and saying, no, that is homophobic. The San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus sang a song called, We're Coming for Your Children. We've got it up on our website. You should watch it and listen to every single word, the same words over and over and over again. We're coming for your children. We're coming for your children. And they are. Just think about this. They're banning books right now in schools like Dr. Seuss and To Kill a Mockingbird. But at the same time, they're offering up books like gender queer books that are in fact softcore pornography. This is happening in America. We're still dealing with the after effects of the pandemic. You know, my greatest concern was not the China virus, it was how willing our fellow citizens were, were just willing to surrender their constitutional rights. How many churches just shut down their doors? What really surprised me was when they started targeting the churches that did not. Churches here in California. This church, Lancaster Baptist Church, was fined. They came after this church. There was a church in Mississippi where they shut down the church. So you know what happened? The elderly church members gathered in the parking lot. And the pastor rigged up a microphone. It was like a drive-in church service. And guess what happened in Mississippi? The police showed up and they went car to car. And they gave every single person in that parking lot a fine, a ticket. This is happening in America. But this is what happens, brothers and sisters, when we don't take a stand. You saw the photograph of Joe Kennedy. Coach Joe is waiting for his case to be heard by the Supreme Court. That will happen this coming summer. 
Coach Joe was watching a movie called Facing the Giants, a faith-based football film, and he felt in inspired and led of the Lord to, at the end of every football game, go to the 50-yard line, and he would take a knee and just thank God for, uh, for good play and sportsmanship and keeping everybody safe. About a 30-second prayer. It was not a Billy Graham crusade. It was a short prayer. Well, the school called him in and said, you can't do that anymore. It's against the law. Coach Joe, who's a Marine Corps veteran and a believer in the Lord, said, well, I can't do that. And they said, Coach, if you go out there and pray again, we're going to fire you. And the following week, Friday night football game, the coach walked out to the 50-yard line, took a knee, and they fired him. And now he's taking them to the Supreme Court. It reminded me of what happened with Coach Joe of a story in the Old Testament. You might remember this in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those young men faced a choice that many of us are facing today. Do you obey God or the government? I mean, that is ultimately at the core of this. Who do you obey? Now, we all know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting thrown into the fiery furnace. Now, I'm from Memphis. We do a lot of barbecuing, so I know a lot about heat at furnaces. And it was, so, it, it was, a, it was such a hot fire that the people who threw them in were burned. I mean, it was, it's a, it was a hot fire. And we all know the story of what happened, that there was a fourth person in that fiery furnace, and they were called out, they were hauled out, and not, not a single hair on their head was singed, not a, not a one. Their clothes, everything was fine. But if you go back and actually read the text, there was one thing that was destroyed in that blaze. You see, when you go through a difficult time, when you obey God and you stand against something, sometimes there is a price to pay. And Coach Kennedy is, is facing that issue in his life right now. He, he did what God wanted him to do, and he was fired from his job. That was his fiery furnace. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were bound up, and then they were thrown into the furnace. But the Bible clearly tells us when they came out, those ropes were burned away. Those cords were gone. You see, brothers and sisters, even though you go through a difficult circumstance, the Lord will pull you out of that. You're never alone. You know, I, the last time I was here, I shared a story with you, and I want to, to share it with you now again. Because there's a lot of truth in what happened many years ago in Vietnam. President Reagan said we're just one generation away from losing our freedom. And, it's, and he's true. That, that is a true statement. We have to fight for it. Every generation, your generation has to fight for freedom. Our founding fathers, most of them were under the age of 28 years old. Did you know that? We're talking about a bunch of young people who went out there and fought for our nation and defeated the British. Franklin Graham once told me that we were at a moral tipping point. And I think that's where we are right now. There is a quote that's often attributed to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. But I believe this is a Bonhoeffer moment for every Bible-believing Christian in America. The time has come for all of us to stand together. And it's not a Republican issue. It's not a Democrat issue. And we can't get bogged down in the politics. We just can't. We've got to stay focused on the Word of God. There's a scene in a wonderful film called We Were Soldiers, The Battle of the Le Drang Valley. 
the first battle of the Vietnam War. Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore and his men found themselves surrounded. The North Vietnamese Army was advancing. There were only several hundred Americans. There were thousands of Vietnamese soldiers. And it appeared hopeless. Joseph Galloway was there, a United Press International reporter. He was caught in the melee. And when the bullet started flying, well, the reporter did what probably many people would do. They, he dropped to the dirt. Well, in the middle of all of this chaos and this carnage, there was a sergeant major by the name of Basil Plumley, And the bullets were flying all over the place, but he stood resolute. And he walked over to the reporter and gave him a kick with his boot and said, son, you can't take no pictures from down there. Then he tossed the reporter a rifle so he could defend his life. But that reporter rejected the weapon. He said, sir, I'm a non-combatant. Well, that old sergeant major looked down at that journalist trembling in the dirt and said, son, there ain't no such thing today. History recorded the events of what happened next. Mr. Galloway put down his pen and his pad and he picked up that rifle. And he stood alongside his fellow countrymen on that day, shoulder to shoulder, the black man and the white man, the Republican and the Democrat, the Baptist and the Presbyterian, and together, those Americans facing insurmountable odds won the day. So I share these final thoughts with you, my fellow brothers and sisters. We are surrounded. The cultural bullets are flying. The enemies of freedom are advancing, and the time has come for all of us to stand resolute. You say, Todd, I'm not a fighter. Well, there's no such thing today, because we are freedom's last line of defense. So I say this in closing, do not hide liberty's light under a bushel. You hold it high. You let the flame of freedom burn bright for all the world to see. It is time for every gun-toting, Bible-clinging, flag-waving American to take a thunderous stand for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And let our prayer be on that day that our nation will once again be that shining city on a hill. God bless you very much. Now, we have a, a few moments for some questions and uh, happy to answer anything that you would like answered, whether it be Ukraine or whatever is happening in the culture. Um, how would we like to do that, Dr. Getch? So does anyone have a question? And you can step into the aisle here. So um, in regards to like Ukraine and Russia, I've heard like different things uh, pertaining on who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. Because I've heard like that George Soros and his, uh, and his son support Ukraine. So like what, what would you say about that? That's a terrific question. It's hard, isn't it? To, I mean, you, we, we're hearing so many different conflicting stories coming out of, out of that war. Um, uh, there is no doubt there has been corruption in Ukraine. Uh, that has been well documented. And a number of our government leaders have financial connections to that country. 
Russia has, um, has a pretty violent history in the past, and there's no doubt that they've invaded the country. Now, the question is, uh, what do we do about it? And I go back to a document that was written and signed back in 1994. It's called the Budapest Memorandum. Now, this memorandum was written after the fall of the Soviet Union. At that time, Ukraine was the third largest nuclear superpower in the world because the Soviet Union had a lot of their missiles in Ukraine. So the agreement was this. Ukraine said they would give up all their nuclear weapons. Russia promised not to attack, and the United States promised to protect Ukraine if Russia attacked. That was called the Budapest Memorandum. It was not a treaty, it was a memorandum. Um, the question now is, do we have an obligation to live up to, to that document that we signed as a country? I contend we do. We have to be people of our word. And if we gave our word to Ukraine that we're gonna stand and defend them if they're ever attacked by Russia, I think we have an obligation to do that. Now the debate then becomes, okay, how do we do that? And I think it's possible to do that without American uh, pilots patrolling a no-fly zone and American soldiers' boots on the ground. And the Ukrainians don't want that, and I respect that. They are fighters, and they just need the, they need the equipment to fight the Russians. They don't want us to come over and fight their fight, and we've had to do that in other places like Afghanistan and Iraq. They didn't want to fight. And the, it's different with Ukraine. They want to fight. So I say let's give them the weapons they need and let's see what they can do with it. Another question. Run, Dr. Gatch, run. No, don't run. So I'm going to take it back just a couple of years, but what are your thoughts on the 2020 election with it being taken to the Supreme Court and all of this stuff? What are your thoughts on it, on everything that was done? Oh, can you give me an easier question? <laughs> no, that's a good question. Look, um, do I believe that 80 million people voted for a man who doesn't, you know, who doesn't know what day of the week it is? No, no I don't think so. I, I just don't. Where are these people? You know, where are these 80 million people? They, I, I just don't know where they are. Um, just the other day, President Biden was giving a speech. He said that the, the, the husband of the first lady had the China virus. And I'm like, wait, that's you. And he was talking about the vice president's husband, and he still couldn't get around to figuring out who she was. And then he still can't remember the name of his ambassador to the United Nations, who called her Ambassador Greenhouse. And that's not her, that's a gas, not the ambassador, Greenhouse gas. It's tough. Um, so I believe that there were shenanigans at the ballot box, and I think, the, I think that the election was stolen. But here's the problem. Nobody can actually prove it, and, and that's the big issue. So where do we go now? Well, we've had, we will have had four years to fix whatever was broken in those individual states. You know, let's get the, you know, let's get the, the voting machines fixed. Let's get people in there to observe the election. So there are lots of things we can do to make sure it doesn't happen again. But I'm telling you now, if President Trump runs for re-election and that's the campaign message that the election was stolen, I don't think that's a winning, I don't think that's a winning message for, for President Trump. I think it has to be forward thinking, here's what's happening in the country, here's how we can fix this. Here's how we can make you know, America great again, again. So, uh, <laughs> if that makes any sense, so. 
Uh, so I just had a quick question kind of in regards to the memorandum that you just mentioned. Um, do you think that it was the right move for the United States to actually sign into that agreement? Like, from my perspective, why should we be involved in any other country's businesses? Um, what are your thoughts? Oh, that is, you know, that is a good question. And, you know, the, the alternative to that was, do, do, do we really want a nuclear-armed Ukraine right now? I mean, can you imagine if those nuclear weapons were still there? Uh, you know, we could be dealing with a serious crisis. Look, I think this came out of the Reagan administration. They were just trying to figure things out. And yeah, I think it was a prudent thing to do. Um, but the United States has a really bad track record of making you know, foreign policy much, more, much worse than it actually is. And, and it's a problem. But one of the things to look back on, guys, is this. Um, everybody thought, President Trump was crazy. They were terrified of this guy. You know why, you know why Putin didn't invade Ukraine under his watch? Because he told Putin to his face, you make a move on Ukraine, I'm gonna bomb Moscow. And Putin thought he was kidding. He says, you know those pretty onion top domes? He says, poof, gone. That's what he said. <laughs> and Vladimir Putin, who's riding around bare-chested on horses, like, holy cow, this guy's nuts. You know, so, that's what you want in your leader, you know? I, I, you know, so, and look at the track record. President Bush, they invaded Georgia. Obama, they invaded Ukraine. Biden, they invaded Ukraine again. So there's something to be said for crazy. So another question. I'm just wondering, you know, going back a few years, your opinion on, you know, I feel the, if you could call it the conservative movement, there was a big um, shift when President Trump came into power. You know, many Christians, you often refer to as like the never Trumpers. Um, just what, what would your opinion be of the rift that was caused in the conservative movement? And a lot of people constituted, oh, especially Christians, well, I can't support Donald Trump. And that constituted them voting for a very... Um, radical administration in the Biden administration, you know, what would your opinion be of that rift that was caused? Thank you for that question. Um, yeah, there, and there's still a lot of turmoil. We're still dealing with that. I call them woke evangelicals, by the way. That's the, the terminology I use. Um, at the end of the day, Donald Trump made some promises to us. He promised that he would fight for the pro-life causes, that he would fight for religious liberty. Now, I was a Rick Perry guy back in that presidential cycle. My guy couldn't debate worse squat. Good man, but he just couldn't debate. And he fell by the wayside. So my next person I supported was Ted Cruz. I was a Ted Cruz guy up until the convention. And then Donald Trump became the nominee. And so I'm looking and, and I was taking, a, it was a risk. He said, look, what have you got to lose? Give me a shot. So I'm like, okay. And I voted for Trump. He got my vote. And he got my vote the second time. And the reason why is he delivered on every single one of those promises. Now, it does my heart good to see a man like Dr. Paul Chappell being invited to the White House. It says something when Pastor Robert Jeffers is invited to the White House. That tells me that this president was very serious about not only hearing from our pastors and our preachers, but also getting their counsel on things. And I thought that said a lot. That, that said a lot. Now, here's what's interesting. A lot of these never-Trumpers, what were they complaining about? They accused us all of being horrible people. I mean, they, really, they were questioning our salvation by voting for... You know, I, I was stunned. I've lost longtime friends over this. 
But what I found fascinating is these same people who are out there um, attacking us for supporting a strong border and having a, um, having, um, being proud of America, America first, these are the same people who are out there right now saying, we have to protect Ukraine's borders, we have to protect Ukraine's sovereignty, Ukraine first. These are the same people who are praising the president of Ukraine, who, by the way, is a terrific wartime leader. But this is a man who is a radical progressive leftist who actually wants free abortion in Ukraine. And yet these same people who are attacking Donald Trump are embracing President Zelensky. So that tells me that this was really not so much about a faith issue for those never Trump Christians. It was more of a political issue. I think we call that hypocrisy, by the way, when they do stuff like that. A back row Baptist. Um, Mr. Starnes, what are some um, sources that you would recommend us to be updated with current events, such as the Russia-Ukraine election, things that just, what are some reliable sources for, uh, for current event issues that you could recommend us? ToddStarns.com is pretty good. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> um, and, and, and even though we're a conservative website, we're one of the few conservative websites that's actually uh, been given a seal of approval by the left-leaning fact-checkers. So, and it frustrates them, it aggravates them. But we do good journalism. Our team works very hard and we have some great writers. One of the things I would encourage you to do is be a wise news consumer. And that means reading from all different vantage points. Um, I would encourage you, read the New York Times, read the Washington Post, uh, find out what the other side is thinking. Um, I read uh, you know, places like Breitbart, uh, the Blaze, uh, Washington Examiner is a great place, and Newsmax has some good journalism as well. Uh, the Federalist, um, if you're looking, and the Heritage Foundation have some great resources. So if you just want to find out what in the world is going on in Ukraine, for example, what's, what, what's the history of all of that? They have that information there for you. Um, so those are just a few of the, of the places. But I would not pigeonhole yourself and just read only conservative stuff. You know, you need to have a well-rounded understanding of, of what's going on in, in the world. One more question. We got some more questions right over here. Take one more. One more. Congratulations. It's the same question. It's fine. We're trying to figure out who is going to answer. Um, but with all the stuff that's been on the news, it's always leading us and leading our attention away from something bigger that's happening at home. So with COVID, it was something. And so now with all the news going towards the Ukraine and what they, the media wants us to see, what is being left unsaid? I'll, I can answer that. I was just on the phone coming in here with my banker to get a loan so I could buy a gallon of gas. Um, I, I think that's, 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 you know what I'm talking about? Is it just me? You know, I, I, for 15 years I rode the subway, so I went to get the biggest car. I bought a Cadillac when I left Fox, and I love that thing, but it gets no gas mileage. I should have bought one of those like little metrosexual cars you can plug into the wall. I, mean, I don't know. It's... Oh, I need to answer your question. I'm sorry. I, I was lamenting in my own misery here for a moment. Um, I, I think, honestly, it's the economy. And, and, and understand this. Joe Biden does not care about Ukraine. I mean, have you seen how literally both parties have been shoving him into giving them more aid? They're battling over the MiGs right now. So they're really not interested in that. This is, this is a diversion for him. I'm not saying that what's happening over there is not real. That is real. But 
Biden's not all that interested in the Ukrainian people. He does see this as an opportunity to sort of move the narrative off of what's happening here in the United States economically. Uh, inflation is insane. And you guys, if you're not already seeing that and you're you know, in the markets and going to the stores, you're definitely seeing it at the gas pumps. And that is going to be a big factor going into the midterm elections.